Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, hey, welcome back to the dark place. You're entering the world of my imagination, Robert. That makes it sound a lot weirder that I'm entering. <laughs> I feel like you should have been talking to the audience there and saying, the audience is entering into a place of your imagination. That felt a lot more targeted when you just said Robert. Oh, no, I, I put you on the spot. Well, that was my subtle way of... A, saying a line that tied in with the show, because that's what Garth always says, but B, saying your name to introduce you as the co-host. That was that was a two birds, one stone line. I feel like if you have to subtly introduce anybody, there's something wrong with that situation. <laughs> that's what I always do. I don't know. Okay. So, guys, <laughs> we, we watched episode two of Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. Um, you said that after this one, you, you liked it a bit more than the first one, right? Uh, yes, it was, I suppose the premise had already been set up in the first one and you kind of had an expectation. You knew the structure, you knew the formula going into the second one, you knew what you were expecting. Watching the first one, it's, you know, you're kind of lost and you don't know, really know what's happening, but watching the second one's like, that's grand. Okay. I know that there's going to be terrible acting. There's going to be a lot of bad scenery. There's going to be very low budget nonsense um so it was more acceptable my standards had been adjusted fair enough I, the second episode is one of my favorites um i told a friend of ours mutual friend of ours alex to watch it and asked if he'd like to join us on the on the review and he did he watched episode two i told him skip the first one it's not that great watch the second one see what you think uh, and he said i think i've had a stroke and then when he took a few days to recover, he said, I, I don't think I can talk about this show. <laughs> so that, was, that no. is his uh, mini review there. Full disclosure, that that comment was a joke, right? The show literally didn't give him a stroke. I did have to ask him. I was like, look, I do want to put some lols and, and laughy faces, but can I also first just check that you genuinely didn't have a stroke? He <laughs> said, no, no, I did not genuinely have a stroke. So there we go. Okay. But episode two <laughs> opens with Garth and he says, maggots, maggots, maggots all over the post office. Um, and then we get the intro where he sits and reads his own books. So he always reads from his own horror books um, in the intro. And he says, I hope you're sitting uncomfortably. And he says, I have a talent. I can write, act, direct, produce. Some other people are plumbers. That's their talent. Um, and then we cut to him walking down the stairs like he always does. And he says something sexist about female mechanics. And then he says some words in French to seem smart. Don't we all do that, though? Well, sometimes we all do that. Uh, now we cut to the show, and this is where you got sad, because uh, we lose the no extras 
we immediately see a big queue of extras all in the queue to get some food in the canteen. Yeah, I think uh, you kind of needed the extras. Maybe it was just a once-off joke that if you had kept it running, it just wouldn't be as effective in the following episodes. But having the extras, it actually also ties into the story or the plot the very, very poor plot of the episode <laughs> as well. I think it would be brilliant if we only get them in like two out of the six episodes and then the next one, there's no one again. Like they could only pay them to come in twice or something. I think that would be even better. I do think they did recycle a lot of the extras in the first one. What I really enjoyed about the second one, though, was uh, we did introduce a character who was just a red shirt. He was introduced his character was developed very very poorly throughout the entire episode <laughs> purely just to die yes the te- they call him the temp <laughs> they don't even, get- they don't even really use his even name very often get a name um and i love that because that's something <laughs> we recognize now as uh they call it the girlfriend in the fridge uh which harps back to uh green lantern who had a girlfriend literally just who was introduced with the intention of killing her off um it's an awful thing to do and it's i guess something we're moving away from but it's nice to see that kind of this is a bad show the show does bad things this is a bad thing to do yeah i love those tropes i don't think we need to get away from cheesy tropes especially not if we're making cheesy 80s shows (laughs) so what happens is we're all in the queue for the canteen and they're saying, um, they're complaining that the food isn't ready. And the chef is Stephen Merchant, uh, Ricky Gervais' writing partner from The Office and, and from the Ricky Gervais podcast. And um, for some reason, in the first half of the episode, every time we see the temp, we get a weird zoom in of his head where we just see like his head and neck and we don't see the rest of him. And then it cuts to other people and we see them at like a more normal full body proportion. And I don't know why that keeps happening. I guess that's because it takes effort to actually adjust the camera and he's just shorter than everybody else. <laughs> it's just very strange. So Liz is privileged to know um, Garth. Uh, Garth, sorry, she just points that out. Um, she's talking to the temp. And then she, they, she gets annoyed about the chicken and they knock her food tray out of her hands twice. She picks it up and it gets knocked out of her hands again. And she gets very annoyed that the chicken's not going to be ready. And... Um, she then uses telepathy. Um, she goes crazy and causes forks to fly and kill the chef. And he says, goddamn son of a bee. And that's his, like, that's Stephen Merchant's only real line. Well, he says, this is going to be ready when I say it's ready. And then twice he says, goddamn son of a... And, um, yeah, he gets killed with a flying fork. And everybody laughs. And then they say, the chef will survive, but the chicken's off. And they all laugh. And then Reed says, that's a shame. I was looking forward to the chicken. Because he never gets the joke. He still laughs with everybody else. He laughs, but he doesn't get it. Yeah. So there's a lot of scenes, like an 80s trope, where they all stand around the office laughing together. That happens every episode. Um, So they're all away to see what's causing the telepathy. There's light bulbs blowing. There's things flying around everywhere. And Reed says, you know, all you young guys going strolling the corridors while I'm stuck in the office with nothing but a moody woman for company. And Liz looks like she's going to kill him. I think rightly so, but anyway. Yes. Uh, it's very, very obvious, would you say, from the very first minute that Liz is the one doing the telepathy? Uh, yeah. Um, 
I'm trying to remember the, the vast There's things flying around her and she's looking at lights and making them explode, but they just don't, they don't realize. Uh, yeah, I mean, the vast majority of everything that happens is it's very much centered around Liz is in um, uh, Dean's office. It's not actually Dean's office. Dean is the actor playing. It's, yeah, it's Thornton Reed's office. Yeah. Thornton Reed's office. I'm going to call him Reeves from now on. She's in uh, Reeves' office. They have to go down to the basement. I can't remember what brings them down into the basement. Miscellaneous. Um, <laughs> miscellaneous. Oh, yeah. All right. It's legitimately just, I. there was no reason to go down there. Um, did they go down to fix the light bulb or something? The they don't even say. They just go there. Um, but uh, you're good to call him Reeves because I keep wanting to call him Moss. And it's getting really confusing because he's Thornton Reed and he's Dean Lerner and he's Richard Iowadi and he's Moss. That's it's literally how I'm storing it in my brain is it's Moss played by Richard, who is playing Dean, who is now playing. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a weird it's it's difficult when you remember a human being as a character that they play as. It is. Uh, I also I think I need to I think I keep saying telepathy when I should be saying telekinesis also. But I whatever. I didn't Tele- even pick up on that. I'm a huge nerd and I'm really annoyed <laughs> with myself now. Um because she does exhibit telepathy in the first episode, and they just completely ignore it. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it goes nowhere. Man, Do- uh, Dr. Richard, he just, uh, he says a name in his, he thinks a name. Yeah, he thinks of says, Renwick in room 213, and she just knows it, and then they never go back into that. But they just treat it like that's, you know, he said it aloud. But anyway, so she exhibits both telepathy and telekinesis. Um, I guess I'm going to have to look up this uh, no, I won't actually. Um, I was going to go into the X Men comics, but I think that's that's too nerdy for this. That's too nerdy. Like, uh, <laughs> that's too nerdy. Um, so, what what happens next is they they say to the temp, uh, "Go and do some investigations. Find out who killed the chef. Well, he didn't actually die. Who attacked the chef?" So they're all in a queue, and he goes along the one by one and says, "Did you attack the chef?" And they say, "No." And he says, "Thanks for your time." Did you attack the chef? No. Thanks for your time. <laughs> and they say, "Oh, he's very thorough." I do like, and it's just everybody is lined up. Yeah. Um, and then they, they think he's an android because he hasn't eaten and he's been in the building for like three hours or something. He's just a weird character. He's actually, I actually really liked him. That was the awful thing. He was weird. They introduced him. He didn't do much, but. He did he very little just... till the end. Yeah. And they, they think he's an android and they think about killing him. And then Reed answers the telephone. I love how he answers the telephone. This is amazing. This old desk phone rings. He picks it up, says, uh-huh, bye, puts the phone down, and then gives a recap of this call. But he only had the phone in his hand for about two seconds. He literally goes, uh-huh, bye, <laughs> then, and then proceeds to speak for a minute about what the person said to him on the phone. Is there a space where he has to pick the phone back up? <laughs> yes, at one point he picks it back up because I have more things to say. <laughs> um, ring or anything like that. It's, uh, it's, it is funny. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't ring. So now they go to a dreary basement for no reason, and there's a dead security guard there. And they say, "Don't worry, he got mad and ate his own hands, but he's been dead for ages, so that we'll just leave him. That's irrelevant." Um, and then their torches disappear. You pointed out, I didn't even notice. Oh yeah, just in terms of consistency, it's they have in one scene, they don't have it in the next scene. <laughs> now a cordless iron um, burns Matt Berry's character, um, Sanchez cordless iron flies around and just burns him in the face so telekinesis is going on everywhere they don't know who 
even though all these things are flying around Liz. Um, and <laughs> Richard Ayoade says, I'm having to tread on eggshells vis-a-vis Liz. She's got a face like the proverbial. I think it's her time. <laughs> yeah, I mean... <sighs> I think they were just trying to write how insulting can you actually be? What's the worst thing you could actually say? And they put a lot of effort into it and it, it shows. Um, but then it's at that stage that she does push the desk against. Uh, yes, she makes a desk. Things are flying out the window and you can, he's shooting them with a shotgun again. And you can see that they're all on strings and you're right, she, she makes the desk um, at one point fly into him and block him, and then he realises it's you, you're the one doing this. Now, um, even saying, like, fly into him, the desk moves. Like, I said he was pinned by the desk. No, it just moves slightly, so he'd have to actually climb <laughs> over it to get out of the yes. room. It just pushes him into a corner of the room and blocks him off. It's not actually physically hindering him or anything. He's just stood behind the desk going can't walk around this now. Yeah, yeah, it just um, moves slightly closer to him, really. That's, that's all that happens. Okay. Yeah. So now um, the lads are being chased by filing cabinets in the basement, and these are filing cabinets that are just kind of wheeling along or getting pushed along, and they're all running around, and then there's a stapler um, chasing one someone at one point. And Matt Sanchez Berry's gun. face is... Sorry to go across, Matt Berry's face is also magically recovered from the ironing. And yes, the iron injury is gone. That's, I didn't even realize that. You're right, man. <laughs> his gun turns on him at one point, um, and then he's fighting with cutlery, um, so forks and spoons and whisks, and that's him taking, you know, he's busy, so he's out of the scene at the moment. And now it's just Garth and the temp. Dramatic 80s synth music, and Garth runs slowly. Uh, suddenly the temp all of a sudden takes off his his uh, jumper and he's like a cool handsome 80s guy with a headband it looks like he's gonna do some martial arts and then thornton reed explains why we're in slow motion um do you remember why we were in slow motion it was to fill out the rest of the episode <laughs> yes they were running under it. anything without dialogue was considered for slow-mo <laughs> It oh. makes sense. And they do it nowadays as well. It's just, if we need to stretch out the time, why not just put in a little bit of slow motion? I, it does make sense. It does make sense. Now we see Garth running, and he's not even in slow motion. I think he's he's actually, you know, he's running, trying to run in slow motion. They haven't slowed it down. He's, he's slowly running in a really comically weird looking way out of a lift. And for some reason, someone has set up like a hundred candles on little stands outside this lift in, in the hospital. So he's just running slowly through this corridor of candles whilst like 80s synth music plays. And he says, I ran the only way I knew how, by putting one foot in front of the other. The awful thing about that for me is I didn't realize he wasn't running in slow motion. Ah, no, he's just he's I, just like slowly moving and stomping one foot. I want to get across. I'm not <laughs> I'm not an idiot. That sounds so dumb not to notice something like that when I notice like tiny details like, oh, she tried to put her hand on her hip too early. Um, I think it's because they told me he was, you know, they were using slow motion. They oh, fooled I you. I just, belie- I just believe them. I'm too trusting. <laughs> So now uh, Liz has crazy hair. Like she's been electric shocked comically, like crazy spiky wild hair. Um, And she makes a fire extinguisher run over and hit uh, Garth. And now the temp comes in for the save. 
but then she just makes a lot of screwdrivers attack him and then he falls down and he's dying from screwdrivers. Garth just kind of goes, oh, I can just chuck this fire extinguisher away. <laughs> so he then throws it at Liz. She falls. And all of a sudden she's back to normal. She's like dressed normally again. She doesn't have her crazy hair. He also says, hide your shame when he sees up her skirt. Um, and then the temp <laughs> is dying. And while the temp's dying, um, they start talking about the difference between a territory and a principality of the, <laughs> the British realm. And... His dying words to Garth are, I was supposed to file this. And Garth says, don't worry, I'll get Liz to do it. <laughs> what I love about that scene is they hadn't spoke throughout the entire episode. They no. never exchanged any words. But they convey this huge, meaningful <laughs> relationship of, you were the best temp I ever had. Blah, blah, blah. He and screams and, and tears his shirt open. <laughs> he just, over the top, again... <laughs> The dangers of exposition of these characters really, really had a deep, phenomenal bond. And you're telling us this, but you're not actually, you haven't shown us this at any point throughout the entire episode. Because <laughs> it was the Thames' first day. Like, they couldn't have had a bond, you know? And that's the thing. I guess you could form a bond over, you know, a dramatic event over the course of a day with somebody. But the fact that they hadn't said two words to each other prior to this... <laughs> Like they didn't even try. It was, it was, you have to do something like that deliberately. But yeah. So we get this dramatic bit where he's, the temp dies, he tears his shirt, smoke pours out of the lift, and all the candles blow out, and it's all in slow motion again. Um, now we find out that a piece of medicine was actually done. Uh, Sanchez gave Liz a lobotomy, and now she's fine. And completely normal, back to normal. Completely back to normal. And she says, I'm sorry, I was girlish. Um, and then they make, she says, well, would you like some buns? And she bends over to pick up some buns and they all laugh at her ass because that's buns and they make a sexist joke. Um, and then um, Garth is sad and Reed says, don't worry, we'll get another temp. And he says, if he'd had any words in his dying body, he would have used them to thank you for mentoring him, which we never saw. And then Garth says, well, you'd hope so. <laughs> That level of that level of of narcissism, like if he had any words left in his dying body after asking you to fix the filing that he didn't do, he would have asked you. He would have thanked you, and he says, "Well, you'd hope so." Narcissism. It is. It's the word I've been struggling for watching all of these episodes. It is just that. It is just a pure exercise of narcissism. It um, is. It's lovely. It, it's several levels of narcissism because it's the actor, Matthew Holness, doing a show where he gets to do whatever he wants as himself. And then, you know, he plays Garth Marenghi, who is an ultra narcissist, who then plays Dr. Rick Douglas, MD, who is an ultra narcissist. And every, you know, it's just, everyone else idolizes him on two levels. And I think it was all, must have been a lot of fun for the actor. But I wonder if there was a narcissistic streak there as well. Maybe, maybe no. not. Maybe he's just a fantastic actor. I, I really doubt that just because a narcissist doesn't they don't know they're a narcissist. Mm, well, so to yeah, present a, character, a person like that, you'd have to know it's like, we're making fun of this person. This is laughable. You, it say, is a that. Comedy. you say that, but then Ricky Gervais got to play in the office, um, David Brent, and there was a lot of self-awareness there. But then he made a movie, Life on the Road, like 10 years later, where he gets to be Brent and Brent's a narcissist. So Brent gets to make a rock album and put out an album. 
but then Ricky Gervais really recorded the album and released signed copies, which I have one of, and then did a tour for the album. So he, he did a joke about his narcissistic character wanting to be a rock star, but then he actually did it for real. <laughs> See, I suppose, like, I've done a little bit of reading and research into what a narcissist actually is. And every now and again, I hit a point where it's like, it must be really nice to be a narcissist. Not for other people, but for the narcissist, it must be great. <laughs> Not for other so people to be so able much, to yeah. act and become, using method acting, to become a narcissist, you know, I'd say there's something there. One thing you failed, you didn't mention earlier on was um, the strings. She was using telekinetic to make things move around the place. And yes, obviously, we could see the strings. And I pointed this out to you. And you said, just just wait for them to discuss that. Do you That's want to talk right. about that? Yes, I totally I forgot that. I didn't put it in my notes. So um, we get a bit where Thornton Reed says, look, an eagle-eyed viewer, a pedant, would notice the strings. But he says, if you're looking at the strings, you know, you're not you're not taking in the story. And he says, if you go to a Punch and Judy show and you're looking at the strings, you're a freak. He's not wrong. Which, of course, a Punch and Judy show is stick puppets. They don't use string. Or do they? Am I an idiot? Um, I don't think they actually, you know what? I don't I don't think they do use strings. I think that's yeah, you're right. I don't think they do use strings. But you take his point. If you go to see any puppet show or marionette show when you're looking at the strings, you know, you shouldn't be. And that's what he's saying. When you can see staplers and whisks and, uh, you know, things all flying around everywhere and you can see very, very clearly see the strings. And he says, you know, you'd have to be an eagle-eyed viewer to see them, but they're right there front and center in the screen. But he's right, you know, pay attention to the story and not the, the lack of special effects, I guess. I, I mean, it's an interesting point. Well, it would be an interesting point if the story was good, later. right? <laughs> yes, if the story was actually good. Um, well, I suppose that, like, they always use this level of immersion um, to their advantage. Even Jaws, if you shoot uh, at the end of Jaws, for anybody who hasn't seen it, they throw a, an air uh, cylinder into um, a shark's mouth, they shoot it with a gun and it explodes. Uh, in reality, if you shot if you did that, it wouldn't explode. Um, but they said that they acknowledged this while directing the movie, but they said, we've just been stringing them along for an hour and a half or whatever. Um, they're going to believe whatever we tell them at the end of it. Mm. So you can actually lead somebody along like that uh, with a good enough story. But yeah, you need a good enough story. <laughs> you need a good story, not... Um a girl made a fork fly and attacked the chef and then they went to the basement for no reason and then some things flew around and then he hit her with a fire extinguisher and it was all fixed. Does, does that security guard that ate his hands ever come up at all? No, that's, we never hear about him again. Nobody ever wondered where the security guard had gone. He's just dead in the basement and he's been there a long time. Awesome. <laughs> so how what does I the episode every end? Hospital. The first ending, the ending in the fictional show, the hospital show, they're all standing around in the office and they all do their usual little uh, laugh, you know, debrief and laugh. Um, and they all say, OK, let's go for a drink. And they laugh. And then Liz says, as long as it's not a screwdriver, because remember, she killed the temp with lots of screwdrivers. Um, yep. And then they laugh and laugh. And Reed says, yes, I'd prefer a beer because, again, he doesn't get the joke. Uh, and they never mentioned that a murder took place, that, that Liz killed the temp. That's just fine. And they didn't lobotomize her, like. Yes. But, I mean, there's no there's no police investigation. You know, it's it's fine. But Reed says, yes, I'd prefer a beer. Uh, and then we cut to the rooftop closing scene. Garth is alone on the roof. 
And he says, well, these women, they, they get upset very easily, um, even by rational things like splitting the food bill in proportion to the amount of food actually eaten by each person. <laughs> and then he says, tomorrow, this is one of my favorite things in the whole world. Tomorrow, I'll tell her that she's lost weight or that her hair looks nice, whichever seems more plausible. <laughs> I, I, just... I can't believe it. I mean, it's just, I don't know where it's failing. Her hair does look nice, by the way. Just, it's irrelevant, you know, but. <laughs> right, you can tell her that when you see her too. Um, I mean, it's, it's. Oh, I, I love it. I love the line. But that statement about splitting the bill. I don't know. <laughs> Is that a contentious point for you? No, it's not. It's, it's <laughs> just, I feel like there's experience there. You can't write something like that without um, having material to write from. Mm, potentially. So I don't know. You, yeah. you did say that Matthew didn't do anything else after this. He he literally appears in one episode of the UK office for in one scene, just for two or two minutes as a narcissistic uh, IT guy, and then that's it. Fair enough. All right. Uh, who com- I, a narcissistic I, IT guy who compares himself to, um, I think, like Bruce Lee and Evil Knievel. <laughs> of course, you can't, you can't judge a man by the car- caricature that he creates. That of is course supposed not. to be laughable and all of that, but... No. <laughs> well, I should mention, sorry, when I say he didn't do anything else, I mean, outside of this project, um, I never told you this, but there is actually a second spin-off season to this show. You told me it was cancelled after one season. It was, but there's another show called Man to Man with Dean Lerner. And this is also cancelled after one season. It's not as good. It's a different, whole, whole totally different type of show. But is Dean it Lerner- cancelled or just not renewed? Mm, could be either, to be fair. I, th- I think they just weren't popular enough, though, to be renewed. But Dean Lerner is, sits with a sexy girl at, at his bar, and he's a rich millionaire, and he's in his penthouse uh, suite, and he interviews a guest, and it's pure um, what they used to call, I guess, payola in the States. Um, so essentially, all the guests that he interviews are his own clients that he's then using his interviews as a way to promote them to make money for himself. And the first guest is Garth Marenghi, because he's, you know, his publisher, and then all the other guests in the other five episodes are all played by the same actor who played Garth Marenghi. Uh, and he plays six totally different types of characters. And some of them you can tell it's him and some of them you're surprised that it's him. Like he's actually a very, very good actor and he plays a, a range of different roles in that show. Uh, it's just not as funny. That's all. Okay. Um, but yeah, look, you've just watched the second episode. Are you excited for episode three? What are you expecting? We've had shotguns and killing a corpse in a grave thing, and we've had telekinesis and chicken. As I said at the very beginning of this, I've adjusted my standards, so I guess I have no expectations going into the next one. Can Um, you predict what kind of things we're going to see in the other episodes? I'm trying to... I can tell you now you can't. (laughs) Yeah, um... Honestly, no. <laughs> That's a smart answer. You will not believe some of the things that happen in the <laughs> the upcoming episodes. Well, I think that there's got to be a bomb at some point with the cut the wires. 
you know, I'm trying to think, and I don't know that there is. Um, but there's some very oh. crazy stuff, and there's an amazing song in one episode. So we'll get to that. But that is the second episode done. That's us. We're a third of the way through Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.